Well, I told you a minute ago, and I mean it, it is so good to see you here this morning as we come together and worship the Lord. I'm excited to be able to gather together with God's people and study His Word. Would you take your copy of God's Word and open to the book of Colossians in the New Testament? I'm finishing up a series today entitled, Because He Lives. We started that series on Easter Sunday, and we talked about how we can have life because Jesus is alive. We talked about how we can have joy and peace and hope. And today, from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, I'm talking about this morning, you can have purpose. Because he lives, you can have purpose. That's the title of the message this morning. What does it mean to have purpose? To, To have purpose means that you can know the reason that God created you. Know the reason for which you were created. And because Jesus is alive, he gives us purpose and fulfillment in this life and a home in heaven one day. The Bible promises abundant life here and eternal life hereafter. You can know the reason God puts you on this earth. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read the first four verses as we talk about the purpose that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul writes, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth and for its power. And now we ask that as your word is preached, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work and to move in this place in our lives for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People look in all sorts of places to find purpose. People look in all sorts of places to find fulfillment. They look to fortune or fame. They look to popularity or pleasure or prestige. But the more you examine the human condition, you begin to realize that the things of this world simply do not satisfy The things of this world do not bring fulfillment. The things of this world do not bring a deeper purpose. I'll give you an example, several examples. I recently talked to a head football coach who was at the pinnacle of his career. They had just won a state championship. And I said, Coach, how does it feel to win a championship? Everybody wants to win the championship. That's the goal. He said, man, it's great to win a championship, but it's not enough. All the fans want to know is, when will we win the next championship? It's good to be at the top of your career, but it never seems to be enough. There are other examples. For instance, there's a a man named Tom York, who's the lead singer of a band called Radiohead. And he was interviewed by a magazine. And they begin to ask him some questions. Listen to what he said. He said, I thought when I got where I wanted to be, everything would be different. I'd be somewhere else. I thought it'd be all white, fluffy clouds. And then I got there and I'm still here. The interviewer said, well, what do you mean? Why in the end have you done what you've done? And he said, it's, it's to fill the hole. That's what anyone does. Uh, after a long pause, the interviewer asked, what about the hole? He said, it's still there. It's still there. In fact, Kevin Durant, 
NBA All-Star, one of the best basketball players in the world, was asked about his increase in technical fouls and ejections in NBA games. And this is what he said. After winning that championship, I learned that much hadn't changed. Just my emotion and passion for the game. Here's what he said. I thought it would fill a certain void. It didn't. In other words, worldly success, fame and fortune at the top of your career, the pinnacle of success as defined by the world. And he says, I'm still empty. I still don't have that deeper purpose. Now, Americans are famous for saying things like this. Just follow your passion. Pursue your dreams. Follow your heart. Do what you love. Love what you do. And we're famous for saying things like that. We want you to believe that if you look long enough and deep enough inside of yourself, somewhere you'll find a purpose that's worth living for. Somewhere you'll find something that gives you significance and meaning in life. But the reality is if we look within, no matter how far, how deep we look within, we will end up dissatisfied and unfulfilled. We need to look up. And we need to experience God's purpose for our lives. This is what Paul's talking about in Colossians chapter 3. A greater purpose, a higher calling. So let's talk about how we can experience God's purpose for our life. First of all, in the first two verses, here's some advice. Keep your mind sharp. The first thing that we need to do to make sure... We're on the path to discovering God's purpose for our lives is to make sure that our minds are sharp. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind. In fact, the Bible tells us that we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. In fact, in Philippians, he says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here in Colossians, verses 1 and 2, what does he say? Set your mind on things above. Look at the verses again. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here it is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so Paul recognizes how important it is where our mind is, where our focus is, If we want to have purpose in this life, we have to have the right focus in this life. You've got to keep your mind sharp. Paul says it's important that your mind, what you think about, that your focus is not on the things of this earth, but set your mind on things that are above. So if you set your mind on the things of this world, you could be disappointed, you could be discouraged, you won't discover your purpose. But if you set your mind on things above, you'll discover God's purpose for your life. Paul begins verse 1 with an important statement. If you've ever had grammar, you know about the if-then statements. And Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, then seek those things that are above. The then is at the beginning of the verse, but it's implied. If you're a child of God, then this is how you will act. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then this is how you will behave. Here's what he says. If you've been raised with Christ, seek heavenly things. If you're born again, you will begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, the word if could be translated since. Since you're a child of God, this is how you're supposed to behave. You've been raised to walk in brand new life. Now you seek those things that are above. Look look at what he says. Set your mind 
on things that are above, not on things of this earth. I love how he says, set your mind. It's not like it happens by accident. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't just stumble into holiness or godliness. I have to work hard to get there. I don't just stumble into faithfulness or goodness. I've got to work hard to get there. I tend to stumble out of consistency in my relationship with God instead of into consistency in my relationship with God. So my mind has to be set. I've got to keep my mind sharp. And it's important then to focus not on the things of this earth, but on the things of heaven. And the things of this earth can be so distracting and alluring we love chasing after shiny things and so we think that the things of this world will satisfy but the enemy the enemy hides the hook behind the shine and he says set your mind on things that are above not on the things that are on earth and let me see if I can explain it like that when, when God saves you when you're a child of God he gives your heart a brand new compass or if we can get a, a more modern day example, he puts a new GPS in your heart. And he begins to set your course and point that compass toward the things of heaven instead of the things of earth. Without Christ, all we care about are the things of this world. But in Christ, God gives us new affections and new desires. The compass is set. The GPS coordinates are put in. This compass points toward heaven instead of towards earth. He says, set your mind. Do you know the human brain is absolutely remarkable? Your brain is amazing. You say, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know about my brain. Trust me. L listen to this. The human brain has been called the greatest arrangement of matter in the entire universe. And I think that's true. Do you know your brain, everything that your brain does, it still operates on less energy than a 20-watt light bulb. Did you know that? Less energy than a 20-watt light bulb. You've got 86 billion neurons that help control your thoughts right inside your head in your brain. Not only that, but there are 528,000 miles of nerve fibers in your brain. Did you hear that? 528,000 miles of nerve fibers in your brain. Let me put that into perspective, okay? The moon is 238,000 miles away from Earth. And so your nerve fibers from your brain stretched out could go to the moon and back and have a whole lot of thousands of miles left over. That's how many nerve fibers are, are in your brain. Not only that, but your brain can hold more information than all of the academic research libraries in the United States combined and put together. Your brain, your mind is remarkable. And when you go to sleep, your brain doesn't stop. You know, when you go to sleep, your brain keeps working. It removes toxic molecules from your brain as well as helps file memories for retrieval later. And you may say, mine doesn't do that. I know, I know, it does, I promise, all right? Your brain never stops working. But they've done neuroimaging, and this is, this is important. I want you to hear about the mind. They've done neuroimaging to discover that as we age, our thoughts begin to shift from the creative right side of our brain to the logical left side of our brain. So that as we age, we tend to think more nostalgically about the past and less enthusiastically about the future. 
And so it's important for us to remember that as we age, as we grow, it's still important for us to live by faith and not by logic, to live by faith and to set our minds on things that are above. The Bible tells us, keep your mind sharp, live with an eternal purpose, set your mind on things above. So where is your compass pointing? Does it point to the things of earth or does it point to the things of heaven? Secondly, Get your life straight. Keep your mind sharp. Secondly, get your life straight. What does that mean? You'll you'll not only discover your divine purpose when you get your mind in the right place, but when you you really discover the life that God has promised you in Jesus Christ. If you want to have purpose, get your life straight. You need to figure out how to live for something beyond yourself. Now, Paul uses a strange phrase here in verse 3. If you read verse 3, you think, man, what do you say? He says, you have died. What? Now, of course, he doesn't mean the people to whom he's writing have physically died. That doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you write a letter to somebody that's not alive? So he's not talking about physical death. We can all agree with that, right? Nod your head like this if you agree. Okay. Some of you are just nodding off instead of nodding, but that's all right. All the way back in Galatians 2.20, Paul describes it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul is saying, if you've trusted in Jesus, you've experienced a death and a life. What does that mean? You're dead to the old ways. You're dead to your old sin. You're dead to self, but you're alive in Jesus Christ, and you are now walking with him. He says to these believers, you have died. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That what we deserve as a result of our sin is death and separation from God. But we don't have to pay that debt because Jesus, his death on the cross, paid the debt for us. So that when I trust in Jesus Christ, God says the death of Christ was enough to pay what I owed. So when Paul says I've died, he means I've identified with Christ in his death. And so now I can live through the power of Jesus. So they've died to their old way of life. They've died to their old sinful habits, to their own selfish ways. He said, you have died, and look at that next phrase, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? That means security. It means safety. It means satisfaction. The Greek scholar A.T. Robertson said this, so here we are in Christ who's in God, and no burglar, not even Satan himself, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So if we've died to the old ways, we now live to Christ. My mind is not set on the things of the earth, but it's set to the things of heaven. And now the Bible says my life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, When God sees me, he sees Jesus Christ because I've accepted the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross for my sins. And so my realm in which I live, the the place where my mind begins to focus, the, the place where my mind is set, it's not set on the things of this earth. It's set on the things of heaven. Now, some people say, Pastor, I've known some people that are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. I have never met anyone like that in my life. Never. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you'll be. Okay? 
And so if you set your mind on things of earth, it's going to transform you here in this life. Do you know, you've probably heard of the largest generation in history called the millennials. Have you heard of that generation? Millennials born between 1980 and 2000, roughly, 1980 and 2000. The largest generation in the history of the United States of America, larger even than the baby boomer generation. Okay, boomers, sorry about that. Largest generation in history. Do you know millennials say that they feel significant pressure to succeed? Not only do they experience that pressure from their parents, they experience that pressure from their peers and from within. So much so that a survey showed 80% of millennials said the pressure to succeed is affecting their mental health. And this is what they said. We just don't feel like we're good enough. I've got a word for you today. If you're a millennial and you just don't feel like you're good enough, I've got a word for you today. You're not. Was I supposed to say that? I'm sorry. I know that this is supposed to be encouraging. I know this is supposed to be uplifting, but I think it's important for all of us to hear it. You're not good enough. Even if you're not a millennial, you're not good enough. But here's the encouraging part. You don't have to be. No one is good enough. There's no generation, even the greatest generation, there's no generation that's good enough. There's no person that's good enough. It is only in Christ where you can find that peace, that fulfillment, and that purpose that he can provide beyond who you are. You're not good enough, but you don't have to be. He was perfect and paid the price for your sin. He took your place so when you trust in Jesus Christ, you can be changed. And then the Bible says, my life is hidden with Christ and God. So that means that when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sinful failures, my past, my problems, my issues, or my flaws. Do you know what God sees when he looks at me? My life is hidden with Christ and God. It's the greatest game of hide and seek ever. Because when God looks for me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus, his perfect righteousness, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me, and he sees the holiness of his son. So if my life is hidden with Christ in God, I've been saved, guess what? I stand before God right, holy, justified. You see, in Christ, God views me through the perfect Death, life, burial of the Lord Jesus. And I stand before God forgiven. Get your life straight. Number three, make your future secure. First of all, keep your mind sharp. Secondly, get your life straight. Third, make your future secure. So Paul finishes this section of Scripture talking about our promise for the future. The beauty of the Christian life is that not only do we have a promise beyond this life, but we have a hope and a future in this life. We can have an abundant life here and eternal life hereafter. Look at what he says in verse 4 when he talks about our future that's secure. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. I love this wonderful thought as he says about Jesus Christ. When Christ, who is your life, underline that or circle it in your Bible, Christ, who is your life. I love this. Jesus Christ doesn't just give life, he is life. 
You know what the Bible says in the Gospel of John? He who has the Son has life. So listen, if you're here today and you say, I've got eternal life, I want you to understand, eternal life is not some nebulous spiritual concept that we can't explain. Eternal life is not some principle. Eternal life is a person. It is Jesus Christ. And if you have the Son, Jesus, you have life. And the moment you get saved, guess what? Eternal life begins right then. You'll never die spiritually. You will never die spiritually. The moment you're saved, you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have eternal life. What's Paul's point? I love this last phrase. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. This is referring to the second coming of Christ. This is referring to one day at the end of the age, even after the rapture of the church, when Christ returns with his saints to rule and to reign on earth. This is pointing to a day when Christ returns the second time. And I want you to remember the first time he came, he came with a specific purpose. He came to suffer. He came to bleed. He came to die. He came to pay the price for our sins. The Bible says he was humiliated. The Bible says he was rejected. The Bible says he was despised. He was murdered. He was crucified. But the next time he comes, he comes to rule and to reign. And the Bible says that those of us who know Jesus Christ will rule and reign with him. So when he appears, the Bible says, we will appear with him in glory. Guess what? If we identify with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, we get to identify with him one day in his glory. That's what the Bible says. And so you've got to make your future secure. Those of us who know the Lord, one day we get to share in the glory that he's promised. In the year 1900, there was a German chocolate company that printed 12 postcards and sent them out to their customers. The 12 postcards were predictions of the future in pictures. It was really interesting. 12 postcards that were predictions of the future in 1900. Here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to tell you what life would be like in the year 2000, 100 years in the future. Think about some of the things that they, I want you to hear what they did. The first one was personal airships. It was a picture of, uh, of a couple flying around in their personal hot air balloons. Interesting. The second was watching a live drama performance while not in the theater. Sounds a lot like television, doesn't it? Then there was an x-ray machine for police officers where they could view what's happening inside a home or a business to see if a crime was being committed. Another one was a roofed City, So don't just imagine a stadium with a dome roof on top, but an entire city with a roof. All right? An entire city with a roof. The next one was underwater ships for tourists. So like you go on a carnival cruise, but it's in a submarine, right? Wow. I'm, that wouldn't be kind of scary for me. Easy excursions to the North Pole. Hey, hon, what do you want to do this weekend? Let's go to the North Pole. Doesn't that sound great? Here's the last one, a machine that could create good weather. All you had to do was press a button and you'd get good weather. Now, if they had a machine that would get rid of gnats, that'd be something, right? (laughs) That would be something. It's interesting, all the way back in 1900, trying to predict the future, what will the future be like? You know, the Bible says we don't know the future. We can't predict what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow holds. 
In this world, the future is uncertain. But God has given us a promise. Not only do we have purpose in the present, we have a hope and a future beyond this life. The Bible says that if you know Christ, one day you also will appear with him in glory. Because Jesus is alive, we can have purpose and look forward to that day. If you are in Christ, your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've been forgiven and set free. And you have a promise Boy, that gives us purpose in this life and beyond this life to worship and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your heads and close with me, close your eyes this morning. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes as you join me in prayer in just a moment. Can I ask you a simple question? Whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching online, has there been a a moment in your life where you've repented of your sins and you've trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation? Do you know that you have a relationship with God? Do you have that purpose and that promise in this life and beyond this life? Has there ever been a time in your life you've just done something like this? You've said, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. I believe the Savior is Jesus, and right now, I repent of my sins, and I trust in you. Have you ever done that? I'm not asking if you're a good person, if you're religious, if you believe in God. Man, you're here today. That's not enough. I'm asking if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Have you been saved? In just a moment, I'm going to pray. In this room, we'll stand and sing. We'll have pastors, encouragers here to receive you and to pray with you. And you can say something really simple. I need Jesus. I want to know him. If you're watching online this morning or even right here in this building, and you say, God's speaking to my heart. I know that I need a relationship with God. You can know Jesus today. And it's as simple as a prayer, but a prayer from your heart. Saying something like this, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. I believe the Savior is Jesus and I repent of my sins. The best I know how, I want to trust in you and I want to follow you. I want to experience that purpose that you have for me. Come into my life. You be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. If you've never done that, if there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted in Christ, here in this room, whether you're watching online, wherever you are, you can text the word RESPOND to the number on your screen, 478-324-5402. You can text the word RESPOND. We want to tell you what it means to know Jesus and to follow Him. In this place, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. We'll stand and sing. You'll have an opportunity to respond what you've heard. My prayer is, as God speaks to your heart, you would obey. Whatever it is, come to be a part of this church. Come to trust in Jesus Christ. Come to this altar to do business with God. You've been saved, but you need to be baptized. Let's be obedient this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we come. And we ask right now in this moment that you would speak and that you would work. Spirit of God, would you do in our lives and our hearts what only you can do? Would you have freedom to move and work and save souls? May lives be changed. In Christ's name, amen.